All right, welcome to the Blue Mountain Fantasy Baseball Champions League podcast brought to you by Red Triangle Sports. I'm your host, Matt Kozlowski. Shane, thanks for telling me I've been getting the name wrong for three weeks now. How's it going? <laughs> it was driving me nuts for a little bit. I kept listening to it. I was like, this sounds wrong. But uh, it's good to be here. Uh, good to be back talking baseball. Good to be back, back in Burbank. <laughs> Kyle, how's it going, buddy? It's going well. Happy to be here. All right, so the league is red hot with uh, trades right now. Team Gorilla Glue's house is on fire. He burned it down this. He burnt it down this week. Um, we got a bunch of trades to talk about tonight. Um, we're also going to start looking a little closer at some of the other teams in the league tonight. We're going to go take an in-depth look at Frank's team, Manifest Destiny, and then we'll talk top three outfielders outfield position groups in the league um but i guess let's start with the trades first uh first trade well i guess first Bino announced that he was selling monday i believe monday or tuesday i guess it was monday monday afternoon he announced um little little surprising since he went out and traded his two best prospects or two of his best prospects a week before to get Carlos Gomez, as we talked about. Um, but now he starts acquiring some back, and in the first deal, he moves Hunter Pence to Adam the Fanatics, and uh, he gets Freddie Galvis, Anthony Alford, and a second-round minor pick. Uh, thoughts on this deal? Um, not really sure what uh, what Team Grogu is doing here, uh, to be honest. Um, I thought that uh, Pence was going to be a very nice trade chip for them, and I, I thought they could have did a lot better than this one. Um, obviously, Galvis is just a throw-in. Not really much to be excited about there. Um, so it really comes down to Alford and the second-round pick. I guess I guess Glue was, Team Grogu was high on Anthony Alford. I mean, I guess they're a lot higher on him than, than I am. So, I mean, then obviously the second-round pick is, is nice to get a little bit of leverage some assets for next year but yeah I, th- I thought Pence was going to carry a lot more weight in the trade market especially as we got closer to the deadline than, than this I'll be honest yeah I'd say my biggest disappointment is the fact that I asked about Pence um, and I still didn't get an answer to this yet from Bino because I asked him after he made the deal um, I'm, I'm, I'll give Bino a call ask him what he wants for Pence he says, you know, I have an offer on the table. You're going to have to make something better. You know, I have an offer where I'm getting two prospects and a pick. And you didn't get that. So um, just confused what happened. Um, then he went on later to tell me he didn't like any of my prospects. So I don't know. Let me get back. I ranted there. I'm sorry. I just was upset. So let me get back to the deal. Um I'm not huge on Anthony Alford, so, um, you know, maybe Bino sees something there that I don't, but, you know, you got to be happy to get a second-round pick back. Um, you know, Pence's contract isn't super favorable. Like, he's not going to be a keeper. I mean, he's tearing the cover off the bar right now, playing really well. So, do I think he could have gotten a little more? Probably, but he made it clear he wouldn't be the first seller. And I'm going to be honest, I, usually, I don't think that the first seller usually does well. So, um that's where I'm at with 
Yeah, I kind of made the comment, I think, last podcast, that you, or two podcasts ago, that you want to either be the first seller or the last seller. Um, we've now seen two straight years that Bino has been the first seller, and I do. I think you might be right. I think maybe he isn't getting as much as he could have gotten. Um, but, you know, if you're, if you're happy with the guys you're getting, I guess you can't knock the moves. So if he's happy with Alford... And the second round minor, those are, you know, two good pieces to have if you're happy with them. And like you said, he wasn't going to keep Pence. So um, I think it's a good deal for Adam. Adam definitely improves his team and Bino gets something he's happy with. So I guess both sides are happy on that end. Next deal was the deal I made with Bino. Um, I give him Garrett Richards, Derek Hill, Forrest Wall, Wilmer Defoe, and $5 of uh, Major League auction cash for next year and I get back Ian Kennedy and Jose Quintana um, I lost Gary Richards for the year at the end of last week um, he's only $5 so there is still I guess some keeper value there so I thought he was still potentially a chip I could move to someone and I get rid of him here and I get two pitchers back in return that kind of definitely helps me out in uh my pitching need because it was getting pretty pretty thin there for a little while. Yeah, there's going to be a common theme here for me tonight. Uh, I think uh, Team Gorilla Glue loses this one as well. Um, you were you were desperate for some pitching. You went out and got it. Um, I'm trying to think of what the big return here is that Team Gorilla Glue got, and I'm not really sure. Um, I guess Forrest Wall is probably the best player in that deal for Gorilla Glue. Um, Richards with that injury could be out most of next year as well so I mean I don't really know if he is a solid keeper option um, Defoe and Hinton Hill both nice prospects um, I guess we're going to have to wait and see there but I I, I actually thought Quintana was a guy that Team Grillo was going to keep so um, I was a little, little just I don't know I thought they were going to keep Quintana, so that's kind of where it threw me off. So I, I think uh, Desperados win this one. Um, this deal for me, I think, makes a little more sense than the the Pence one. Um, I really like Jose Quintana. Um, you know, we were in a text thread today talking with Cody, and he made a comment that he thinks the league highly undervalues Jose Quintana. I think he's right. There's a lot of people who I think don't realize how good this guy is um but you know i, I like force wall Wilmer defoe is something to be a little excited about too um i drafted Derek hill so i saw something in him obviously when i picked him um there's some serious speed potential there um and then you know if, if bino thinks maybe potentially he thinks he's two years away and if he can grab garrett richards at five dollars um, and hang on to him then and thinks he can compete in two years and that's his plan I think he did well in this deal um, if that's not his plan I think he did a little bit worse yeah I like Wall too um, Defoe's tough because I think he has a nice skill set I just think that he's going to be kind of a miss out on the numbers game in, in uh, Washington and all the infielders they have, I'm wondering if he's not going to get a shot because he plays the same position as Trey Turner. So that's my one concern about Defoe. 
I guess the same concern you could have with Wall with guys like Arenado, Ryan McMahon, Trevor Story, and Brendan Rodgers in the infield for um, the Rockies. But, you know, they were two guys that I was high on last year. They were part of my draft class, I think, maybe two years ago. So, Kennedy, if, if Kennedy pitches like he's pitched so far, this is a win for me. But um, that's, I think, the big, the big piece there is hopefully Kennedy keeps pitching the way he has. Definitely excited about getting Quintana. I had him two years ago, um, and it looks like he's he's been a new pitcher so far this year. Maybe he's had some bad luck in prior prior um, years, and hopefully he's now turned that around, and maybe he's getting a little bit of that uh, dominance back, and it's not just going to be a guy that's peripherally good and um, doesn't really have the good actual numbers. So I'm excited about adding those two pitchers to my team. Sorry if I sounded there like I was a little flabbergasted. Um, Max Scherzer struck out 20 batters tonight. So that's something we haven't seen in a very long time. Um, Was Wood the last one to do it or Clemens? Uh, I know Clemens did it twice. Wood was the last one to do it, I believe, with 20. Yeah, I just got a text from my brother about that. That's crazy, 20 strikeouts. That's... That's three starts worth, and you got it from one guy. <laughs> one guy so that's that's awesome. Good for, good for Frank. He was on his bench. Oh, he didn't start him. No, I'm just kidding. I was gonna say, wow. Okay. All right. Um, other trades that went down today, because those are the two I had ready, and then after that, two more trades come through for Bino. I guess we'll get to the one that's less egregious at this point. Uh, Justice Sheffield and Spencer Adams. Kyle, you send those two players to him for a $41 Jason Hayward. Um, obviously, you're buying low on Hayward. Um, if he ends up being the player that we all expected him to be, then maybe you have someone similar to Hunter Pence who you were not able to acquire um, earlier in the week. So what are your guys' thoughts on this one? Um, this out of the four deals that he made, I actually thought this one was uh, just about the most even. Um, I guess that's just more me not really being a big fan of Jason Hayward. Uh, I don't know that even being in one of the best lineups in the game, maybe the best lineup in baseball right now. I, I just Jason Hayward doesn't excite me. Um, not a lot of power there. Um, I think he's just more of a good baseball player than he is a fantasy player. So. Gets back to two nice prospects. Uh, not I don't wouldn't say great prospects, but two two nice prospects. So I'm not I'm not really too uh, two on one side or the other here. I, I think uh, kind of fair deal for both. Yeah. So I mean, obviously, being in the deal, I think I won or I won't have done it. Um, so it's hard not to take that stance. But um, you know, I think I think Bino takes two prospects that can be serviceable pitchers at some point, hopefully. Um, take a chance on them, maybe flip, on a, flip them later. Um, and for me, I buy low on a guy that, like Shane said, is, is batting second in a fantastic lineup, um, has played well in the past, and it didn't cost me a lot to take the risk. So, um, you know, it kind of gives me options now moving forward to maybe move a different bat uh, for some pitching moving forward here if Hayward does 
start hitting well. Definite upgrade for you going from Gomez to Hayward, I think. So um, I definitely think you improved your team and you added two nice prospects along the way in uh, Reed and Bowers, as we talked about last podcast. All right, so let's get to the trade that has, I think, the whole league up in, a, in an uproar. Um, I, for one, was not one of the people that objected it just because we had a lot of talks about it, you know, vetoing deals and guess I kind of been swung, like you said, Kyle. There wasn't really an occlusion here. It's just an interesting offer. So, Team Gorilla Glue, Bino trades, Wilson Ramos, Nelson Cruz, Jason Hamill, and Trevor Rosenthal. And in return, he gets Kyle Tucker, first-round minor pick for Manifest Destiny, Frank, and $7 draft cash for next year. Shane, I'll uh, turn the floor over to you. Well, basically, as I've been saying all night, I have no idea what is going on here. Um, I thought that Manifest Destiny got the better end of this deal by far. I don't really think it was close. Um, I thought that he could have probably gotten similar value just for Nelson Cruz alone. Mm -hmm. um, From just about anyone that was going to be willing to buy at some point. So, I mean, he kind of, in my opinion, just kind of threw in Hamill and Rosenthal, who are the other nice pieces in this deal, kind of just for free. Um, from my perspective, obviously, hey, some people see things differently, and I guess that's what make things, makes things interesting, makes it fun. Um, but yeah, I thought he could have got that kind of value just for Nelson Cruz. So I think that's where everyone, obviously it has four objections already on the, on the site. Um, yeah, I thought... Just selling low on, on some guys and getting back whatever he could. It's, I don't know. Really confusing. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think back to last year. I bought Nelson Cruz um, to help make that, that playoff push and try and win. And that granted, Cruz had a, a pick attached to him, was a little cheaper. Um, but I, he was a big part of the reason why I did the deal that I did. I got Cruz and... Cueto, and I gave up the best pitcher in baseball, Clayton Kershaw. So, um, do I think there's more value to be had there? Yes. Um, but, you know, in Bino's defense, I'm not excited about Wilson Ramos more than, you know, Russell Martin at this point. I mean, that's who Frank just dropped. Um, you know, I, I think Martin gets it together at some point. Um, and Jason Ham wasn't overly exciting either. Um, so I guess that's another player I'm not super excited about. And then, you know, obviously Rosenthal is, is legit. So um, at the end of the day, I think he could have gotten more. Um, but he put it out there that he was selling, and I guess he didn't get enough offers that he liked on Cruz and pulled the trigger on one that he liked. So I guess you can't knock a guy if he likes it. He's getting the first-round pick, which, you know, hopefully does his time getting ready and, you know, pick somebody good. Kyle Tucker is definitely an exciting prospect to have. He's only 19 years old, so we have no idea what he will be. But um, every everything that I've seen and read about Kyle Tucker at this point, there's a lot to be excited about there. And like you said, the first-round minor pick, obviously he's going to get one of the top 16 players in next year's draft. He also has my first round pick and he has his own for 2017. So 
he'll be picking three times in the first 16 um, picks of the minor minor draft for next year. So there's a lot to like about that. Obviously, you can't knock the $7 draft cash, but I think I do lean on Shane's side here a little bit in the fact that normally a player of Nelson Cruz's caliber commands that kind of return by himself. Kind of did that with me last year um, when he traded me Tulowitzki, Joaquin Soria, and uh, Greg Holland. You know, he lumped a lot of his trade pieces together in one deal again, and... That's fine. Like you said, Kyle, he got a return he was happy with, and shame on everybody else for not jumping into the water so quickly because we've seen now in the last couple of years, well, the last two now, that when Bino says he's selling, he wants to move quick on it. He doesn't want to sit and wait out a ton of offers like someone like Shane did when he sold two years ago. So it's just, a, I think, just a different philosophy, and you know, maybe it's shame on all of us for not jumping in quicker. Yeah, I mean, you can't really be upset about anyone. I, I, I just, for me, the value, it really came down to Nelson Cruz. Um, I, I thought he could have got way more value for that. Um, it just felt like, for what Cruz garnered last year, like Kyle said, and then just not really getting nearly as much for a guy like that. I think he could have, especially with power at a premium for a lot of teams. Um, but who am I to say it doesn't work out? Maybe he nabs someone great in the first round next year. Maybe Kyle Tucker turns into a, a really solid player, so who knows. Um, I guess the, the interesting thing for me was I'm sitting here and we have, I guess, what, three or four teams now that have that have said that they're going to be sellers. Um, Gorilla Glue, we know the Malloy boys are already in the selling market. Uh, the Slump Busters came out this week and said they're going to be in the selling market soon. Um, we got to imagine the Sluggers are going to be there. Um for all the talk that we had in the offseason about the extended playoff teams, maybe this was going to help have teams want to stay in the race longer. It doesn't seem like it's had that effect so far. We already have four out of 16 teams <clears throat> saying they pretty much want to give up on the season. So I'm wondering if we, if it's too early to tell or if that's something that carries some weight as far as it's not really having an effect on teams wanting to stay in the race that much longer. Yeah, that's an interesting point. You know, Bino, we talked about when he was on the podcast with us, him being, I think you called him Shane, the engineer of the new playoff format, and he's the first guy to throw his hat in the cellar ring officially. So when we had talked to him two weeks ago, he was hoping to be that eighth team, um, and things changed rather quickly for him in those two weeks. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point. Because um, you're right, he was the one that was really pushing to somehow change it that people weren't going into the playoffs with a different team um, but I guess selling in May you'll have your team longer and it wouldn't be a way different team uh, I don't know um, just interesting I think another thing I'd like to talk about get your guys opinion is um, when is it okay to veto when is it okay to object a trade because uh, you know I'll give my stance I've I think I've stayed at this point since the day I've gotten in the league. It's just if two owners agree on a deal that um, I have no reason to say that it's not fair unless we're seeing some form of collusion. And you know, there's, a, there's a few objections getting thrown around here in, in these deals. And, you know, it's clear that he spread the wealth with four teams. So um, just curious what your guys' thoughts are. 
I, I typically take that stance. Um, there was one trade in particular, I think last year, that I vetoed maybe a little prematurely. And, you know, Jordan and I went back and forth a little bit about that trade. It was when um, he got Ryan Braun and Chris Sale from his brother for George Springer. And Springer at the time was still kind of iffy. We weren't sure what he was going to be. Obviously, there was a lot to be excited about with Springer, though. And, you know, Sale... None of us knew Sale was available. He had a couple years left on his deal at a very friendly contract. I think that that was part of the frustration. We all kind of felt like we could have thrown our hat in the ring and made a competitive offer for Sale. So sometimes I think the veto comes out when you don't know that someone's available and you don't have the ability to make an offer on them. And, you know, that's just one way of doing things as an owner. And I think that's something that. I've grown and learned that that's not a chance. That's not a case where you veto if someone just makes a, a deal with someone without letting the whole league know. Um, the time when I think it's okay to veto is if it looks like there's. I always question the deals between brothers or really close friends where it's completely one sided. Um, but I kind of lean more on your side, Kyle. Yeah, I really don't like to. Uh veto as well um i guess just going back to what you said i mean i guess the frustrating part is when someone doesn't really let you know that someone's available uh, i think we could do a better job of that i mean obviously you don't have to i mean it's it's our league i mean you can do whatever you want with your team um you don't have to let anyone know that, that you don't want to deal with someone you don't have to deal with anyone but i, I guess it's just frustrating when You'd like to you'd like to know when someone's available, so you could at least put an offer in, yeah, or at least uh, have feel like you have a shot at getting them if you do want them. But um, I'm not afraid to veto if I think the deal is really lopsided. Um, I, I'm willing to go out on the on the wire and say I vetoed the cruise deal today. Uh, I was one of the four so far. I think that it's very very lopsided in one favor, and I vetoed that one. The other ones I thought weren't that bad. I thought there was winners in each of them, but I didn't think they were that bad. Yeah, you're always going to have a winner and loser when we get to the selling point, I think. You know, there are teams that get more when they're selling, and maybe you could call them winners in the deal, but all of these deals at face value are going to look lopsided because we don't know what the prospects are. So that's one thing to definitely consider when you say there's a, there's a winner and loser in all these deals. Obviously, most of them look like you know lost today but you have to build your team somewhere and you know we've seen now from a couple teams that building through the prospects and minor draft is, is a viable strategy if you hit on one or two of those guys and they become superstars you're set up for a long time which is one thing that I know Bino talked about when he was on with us two weeks ago so that's kind of I guess our thoughts on vetoing trades but it is interesting that Almost every trade in this league gets at least one veto. There's someone <laughs> There's someone out there that vetoes every single deal. Cody fessed up today and said he was the one last year that vetoed every single deal that was made because there was a lot of, a lot of people talking about vetoing trades. But Cody did tell us today, and I believe him because um, he's, a, he's a cop, that, uh, that he has not vetoed any trades this year yet. So somebody out there is hitting that object button every single trade. And, 
you know, it is kind of funny, but it, you sometimes I just would like to know who it is. Like, <laughs> don't don't hide behind your computer. Come out and say, yeah, I'm the guy that's trying to mess up every single trade coming out there. So, <laughs> yeah, I know we we talked about it last year a lot. Who who was the guy that was doing it? We finally found out today. Yeah. Um, months is just. I had a feeling it was him <laughs> last year anyway, but yeah, that's kind of funny. Yeah, but there's Any been guesses for uh, who it is this year. You want to take a stab? <laughs> um, if I had to guess. And this is just me. I don't know a lot of these guys real well, um, other than being in this league. But I know Day has one of those weirder sensey, senses of humor. So I'm thinking maybe it's Josh. I don't know. I don't know. I could see him being the guy that just he doesn't care. It's his vote doesn't matter. So you could throw it in there as a veto. I don't know. I'm yeah. I'm thinking Day or Burkhart. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> That's where I'm at. Yeah, I, I think it's day. So I think we have a unanimous that it's it's day. So <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast, you know, let us know if it's you. We want to know if you're if we're right here. Um, but yeah, I think you're the kind of guy that just likes to upset people and get under their skin and get people riled up. You're good friends with months, so you two might have talked about, hey, I'll do it this year and you do it next. The one so, thing, uh, the one thing I do want to say in Josh's defense, though, in Day's defense, for his kind of a sick sense of humor as he has he i think he definitely respects this league and he when he does sell i think does a really good job of getting good players in return so um i think he does take the trading trade market seriously so that's one that's one thing that rattling around my brain thinking that maybe it's not him um i don't know you're just trying to butter him up for a deal on live air here i see no no we i've tried to deal with Day and we haven't been able to come to an agreement, but we've had conversations about it. I'm, I don't think I need to butter him up. Um, I'm not like you. I don't feel like I need to sweeten someone Whoa. up. So, um, all right. Who is left on Team Gorilla Glue for him to move? I mean, obviously, Pujols $33. Someone may buy on him because first base is pretty weak. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure he's going to field some offers on Strasburg at some point. Um, but who's left that you guys can see that you know maybe changing changing teams that's on Gorilla right now? Well, Pujols is obviously the probably the big one. Um, someone's going to be probably willing to take a shot there, um, just for the power alone. Um, I gotta figure that. Maybe Anibal Sanchez goes at some time. I don't know. Um, not off to the best of starts here, but he's a pitcher that I could probably see maybe getting a small return for. Um, and then, yeah, Strasburg obviously is the interesting one. We've, we've done a lot of talking about him. But I go down the list, and, I mean, you got to start thinking about who they're going to keep. And I feel like... They're kind of falling into the same trap as, as maybe they did the, the past season where they might not have enough good keepers. So at some point they got to turn around, just like we talked about with Tom, and and make sure you get some solid major league talent in return as well. So I'm not really sure if, that, if there's going to be anyone else on this squad that, that goes besides those those guys. Yeah, I see, uh, I see Strasburg probably getting moved for two pieces. I think that would be a wise move for him if he can get two good keepers. Um, and then a couple other names that I could just weren't mentioned that I think have potential. If Scott Casimir figures it out, uh, he's a serviceable starter. 
And then this might be the year that Johnny Peralta leaves Team Grilly. Um, I know he loves him. You know, middle infield is weak. If he comes back um, and plays well, I think that he's a piece that people might be interested in trying to get a hold of. And he might be able to get a decent return for. Yeah, Brandon Moss was the other name I was going to throw out there. And then I'm, I'm kind of wondering on if Carlos Gomez is in the keeper plans. If he turns it around, he could definitely get a nice return for him. But like Shane said, he's got to keep somebody. And we obviously have Michael Brantley as a keeper for him, Dansby Swanson, um, Corey Seager, probably Javier Baez. Um, Gomez could be a nice fifth bat as a keeper for Bino, and then he can kind of piece it together from there if he gets anyone from for Strasburg at any point. So, yeah, that's interesting. I kind of forgot about Peralta just because he hasn't been in his, his lineup yet, um, being hurt in the beginning of the year here. Um, with having Seeger and probably Baez, we think um, probably wouldn't be a far fetch to say that Peralta is going to go at some point, um, as long as he can come back and prove that. And he can still swing a little bit here down the stretch. All right. So one thing I want to throw in, we talked about Sure, uh, Slump Busters announcing that they would also be in the seller market here and he was ready to start fielding offers. I think he's actually the loser um, of all this today because I've had some talks with Sure, and he's not totally interested in acquiring prospects right now unless they're real high end. He's looking for you know, a, a real a real major league keeper and moving a couple of his pieces for one of those major league keepers. And I hope I'm not um, talking too much about the conversations I've had with Brandon. I know you guys have had with Brandon too. Um, I don't want to obviously ruin his strategy for him, but I think it's interesting to talk about the fact that the market that Bino set today is not going to allow Sure to do that at this point. Well... Sure goes out right after Bino announces that he's selling and throws his hat into the ring and says that he's going to be selling as well. And then he turns around and has probably the best one day that anyone has ever had in this league and, and probably the best day I've ever seen in fantasy baseball yesterday. I think he, he goes 26 for 46 with seven homers. Uh, I think it was 25 RBIs and 16 runs and 52 total bases. Um I, I was talking to him a little bit while it was going on. It was just insane. And he's like, it's making me rethink whether or not I should sell. Um, a night like that can, can certainly turn things around for you and say, hey, maybe I have something here that um, my team just hasn't been performing up to their capabilities. Um, obviously, it's one day. Um, but, yeah, just an incredible incredible day that he had yesterday. Um, I still think Slump Busters end up being, being a seller at some point just based off of the slow start. It's going to be tough to get back into it. Um, but yeah, the market that's been set, I think he's going to have to go ahead and wait now. Um, I don't know that you can pull the trigger right now and, and maybe get the value, same value that you would have gotten just before today. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's tough when someone goes out and sets the market lower than what you think it is. Um, so he would be wise to, to sit back and, and hope just that the market gets better. I mean, as the deadline gets closer and more teams want to buy, um, prices go up. And if he can be the first team to sell closer to the deadline, I think he'll get good value. Um, I mean, I think the interesting thing is that he is actively trying to get 
a solid keeper with a good contract. Um, you know, we've been in talks a little bit. And, you know, he's he's dangling guys that are good players, that have good contracts. So um, he's not just throwing crap out there. So I think that um, I think he'll get a return that he likes. Um, at this point, I don't know that, I mean, being new to the league, he has a complete grasp of what the market is, and I don't think today helped much in that area. But um, as he figures it out, I think, you know, he'd be able to package together a deal that might work with someone. Yeah, I think the two names in particular you're talking about with the nice contracts and good players are Francisco Lindor and Adam Jones. Jones is off to a slow start, but the consistency that he's shown um, over the years definitely makes him, I think, a good buy-low candidate. And then the intrigue of Lindor as a top-five shortstop, potentially at a premium position that shortstop is, um, those are two pieces that he's dangling that he might be able to turn them into a good keeper. I always go back to this. A $2 Mike Trout was traded in this league once. So sometimes if you do trade... You know, a good major league contract. You know, you can get a couple, couple decent major league players back in return. So, um, if he dangles a couple of those together for a guy of that caliber, maybe, maybe he is able to hit on that. So, anything else on on Scherz's team? I know we wanted to talk about the in, other interesting pieces. Um, you know, he's got Ben Zobris, Brian McCann. Uh, Verlander, Zobris could probably be moved at some point this year. There's a lot of guys, like you said, on this team. All of his closers, um, he could he has a chance to really turn this selling market into into a nice nice day for him if he's able to wait long enough and get that good value. I think. Yeah, he's he's kind of in a weird spot because I think his team is a little better than it's played so far. Um, there's a lot of interesting pieces that he can move around. Um, it's always interesting when a new guy comes into the league to see what they're going to be like in their first trades. Um, that's always something I look forward to because um, you don't really know the, the dynamics of the league as far as what everyone's looking for and what you can get for certain guys. And It's always interesting to see how their mind works as far as what they're looking to do and compared to what everyone normally does. Um, hate to use that term normal term normally but i mean everyone kind of has their their own way of doing business in our league so it's always interesting to see what the new guy's philosophy is um so <clears> I, <throat> I think sure is going to go ahead and wait and see if he can pull off a, a he's in in the lead right now against a good team maybe it proves hey i, I can play with some of the better teams in the league and i'm going to hold on wait and see but i i think just off of the slow start he's going to end up being a seller but i think he's going to do well at the deadline um, one last thing I'll just say, um, you know, and I, not that I know any better than anybody else, but um, I think an interesting thing that Sher could potentially do is move some of his prospects um, to get a good keeper that way and hang on to some of these guys that he's dangling. Um, I don't know that he needs to move a guy like Lindor to make his team better. You know, if you package something with Judge plus – you know, he could get a guy like Puig and someone else from Tom. So, um, 
just a, an idea, something I'd throw out there to think about if I were him. Uh, Tom's made it clear he wants to buy high talent prospects, and if Scherzer's not in the market of buying them, maybe he's not super interested in owning them. I don't know. <clears throat> yeah, no, I I definitely can see that side of it, um, but I also see what Shane's saying. Maybe he. Maybe this is a blessing for him when he finds out that maybe he is a potential playoff team and he doesn't have to sell. So he's just in a tough spot right now. Um, but I think we all agree maybe the best thing for him to do is hold as as hard as that is for me to say because I want some of those dudes that he has. <laughs> so um, it, it's definitely going to be interesting to see what he does. Who's the next seller? Uh, it's got to be Burkhart, right? He's got to be the next one to throw his name out there. Yeah, it's got to be the Sluggers for me. Um, it looks like we have, obviously, Team Gorilla Boos is now sold the fact that they're they're not they're done for 2016. They're they're looking to the future. Um, Tom has obviously shown that he he's looking to the future. Um, the Sluggers have, have pretty much fallen out of contention here, uh, just about under two months into the season. So they got to be the next uh, next guys to throw their hat in the ring. You would imagine. Um, so yeah, it's going to be interesting what Burkhart does. He has he has some interesting guys on his squad as well. I could see uh, I could see Caleb being the next one to speak up. Um, he's already put it out there that he is willing to move Carpenter for some pitching. Um, I'm just having some talks with him and whatnot. I think he's one bad week away from saying um, you know it's time to move on from this year. Uh, Burkhart tends to wait a little bit longer to say he's selling um, and does some things closer to the deadline. And I think that's wise on his part because he doesn't, you know, set the market. He, he waits till the market's set and tries to get good value. So, All right, let's move on and let's do a little bit of a deep dive on Frank's team here, Manifest Destiny. Um, we haven't talked for some reason, I feel like we haven't talked much about Frank's team on any of these podcasts, but yet there he sits towards the top of the Pete Rose division, and he's just a steady contender in this league. Um, always seems to be right there in the playoff hunt. So I wanted to kind of look at a bunch of his players and just see what you guys think of this team here. Um, I guess we can start at you know, Josh Donaldson and Yoannis Cespedes right now really being the key pieces of his offense. And Dustin Pedroia is having a great start to the season, too. And then the other guy, um, Jackie Bradley, he's been awesome for the last couple of weeks. So um, those four guys have really helped contribute to, uh, to Frank's good start out the gate. Yeah, I feel like we always forget about Frank's team. Um, I obviously don't because I have to play him twice a year and – He's in my division, so it just seems like he, he's one of those teams that just kind of plugs along. Um, he's always, always solid, um, always in contention, and this year's no different. Has a nice team again. He's in first place right now, and goes ahead and makes a deal today that's going to probably separate him from the pack right now in the P. Rose division. Um, me, him, and Zach are, are in a three-way battle, just like we usually are, and he kind of makes the first move. I, I spoke to it. The last couple podcasts, it's going to be interesting to see what teams four through whatever it is that we think, who's going to make those moves to, to say, you know what, I have to make something happen if I want to get up into the upper echelon 
with the Stallions, with the Matadors, with the Bombers. Uh, it looks like Manifest Destiny is the first one to do that. So, yeah, I, I think uh, Frank makes a good move today, and it's only going to improve his chances of, of getting up into that top top group and putting a stranglehold on the division. Yeah, I mean, great, great move today for him. Um, he has now improved in four different spots by making that deal. Um, you know, you mentioned Donaldson and Cespedes, how they're playing this year, and, and they've just been really holding his offense together. You had a guy like Cruz to that. Um, it, it just makes him even scarier. He... You're right, he's, he's a guy that continually just puts out a lineup that produces. Um, it, it seems to be filled with older talent that somehow has something left in the tank, and he just keeps going back to old faithful um, guys that are less exciting in dynasty leagues. And, um, you know, he, he goes off and he just acquires these older guys and drafts them and hangs on to them, and they just continually produce. Um, and, you know, his pitching is, is usually good as well. So, um, see him making the playoffs this year, uh, without a doubt. And he, he picked up D. Gordon, a guy that you can be excited about to come in when the playoff push is happening. Um, so, he's put together a nice squad. Yeah, if we take a little look, a little closer look at his pitching, as you mentioned, Wade Davis and Fernando Rodney holding down the bullpen. Um, the two of them have yet to allow an earned run this year between the two of them. Um, Fernando Rodney on May 11th has a whip of one. That is amazing. Um, eight saves, 13 strikeouts, no no earned runs allowed. Obviously pairing those two guys who are having dynamite relief seasons with uh, Clayton Kershaw and Max Scherzer. That's there's a lot to be excited about there. Um, you know, Trevor Bowers, one of his keepers, wasn't granted a rotation spot out of spring training, but he has one now, and that seems to be a great hold on uh, on Frank's part because he's throwing the ball really well right now. And then another guy who's been really awesome this year is Ruby De La Rosa, who is a guy that. Every night that he pitches, I usually stack three or four hitters against him in my DraftKings lineup, and um, the last couple times it hasn't worked out for me, so he may have something there. Um, and, you know, he adds Jason Hamill to that mix now and just makes his pitching tougher too. So definitely like Frank's pitching. Yeah, I don't know if we obviously don't have a, a stat on this, but I feel like if you go back the last few years – Frank always ha seems to have the oldest roster in the league. Um, seems to be that's that's his forte, his go-to. He he drafts a lot of older guys. He seems to accumulate a lot of a lot of older talent. And I I know we that's something we look at. We always not make fun of him, but we, it's just something we notice. I mean, he always seems to have an old roster, um, and it always seems to work out. Um, he he never usually stocks up on on young guys. He's not a guy that usually has a lot of minor league talent coming up. Um, he depends on old, reliable players, and that, that's kind of just what he does, and it, and it works out for him. Um, it's always interesting because me, him, and Zach are always battling each other, and we all, I feel like all three of us have really different philosophies on, on fantasy baseball, and it seems to work out, work out for all three, and we always seem to be competitive, but that, that's Frank's go-to. But he, he always seems to make 
little smart moves throughout the season that kind of just keep improving his team, and he always gets better towards the end. Um, just something I've always noticed about him. Little moves here and there. He always stays vigilant, and it, it's obviously paying dividends. I don't think there's a lot much more to talk about Frank's team. As we said, you know, doing a great job again through uh, almost two months so far. So uh, expect Manifest Destiny to be one of the eight in the new playoff format this year. Um, and, you know, I'm not sure if he's done moving now, done making moves. Um, not the deepest, deepest minor league roster, um, but he's creative. He'll find a way to get, I think, a couple more deals done. So. Um, you know, he's not afraid to, you know, sell and start in a hole with draft cash for next year. And he's not afraid to move minor picks either. So, uh, definitely expect Frank to make a couple more moves. All right. Top three segment this week, we're going to talk outfielders, um, top three outfielding outfield units in the league. Um, first for me is Billy Beantown Bombers. Giancarlo Stanton, Mike Trout, Carlos Gonzalez, and as much as I don't like this guy as a player, um, Justin Upton's not a bad fourth outfielder in this league. So he was one for me. Um, one for you guys, too? Yeah, hard to go away from uh, from what the Bombers have in the outfield. Um, just kind of a little bit of everything. I mean, you get the all-around, obviously, great talent with Trout. You get a lot of, lot of power supply from Stanton, and then... I mean, you get Cargo and Jay up are, are really nice three and four. Um, hard to argue that someone has a, as good a three and four as that in the league. So, yeah, the Bombers are number one for me. Yep, definitely have him number one. Um, just, you know, he has a great one-two punch and then rounds it out nicely with uh, Cargo. And, you know, yeah, I don't like Justin Upton at all, but as a fourth outfielder, you got to be happy to have that. All right, number two for me, this was hard. Um, I had two guys um, in there at number two that I could both call. Um, I think I'm going to go with Andy, though, as the number two outfield unit. Nomar Mazzara, Ryan Braun, and Joey Bats. And then the fourth guy right now is Brad Miller. But one thing that we all know about Andy is he seems to be probably the best in the league at streaming guys, and that fourth spot in the outfield for him is usually a revolving door, and for some reason he usually ends up getting like two homers and three stolen bases out of that spot in the during the week. So um, I have him number two by the slimmest of margins. Um, I have the Stallions, um, just with Harper and McCutcheon. Uh, I still like what Brett Gardner does, and just kind of the same philosophy. It's a revolving door. I mean, right now it's Dietrich. Um, Michael Saunders is actually off to a nice start as well, playing pretty well. So I have the Stallions just ahead of the Matadors, but for me it's close two and three. Yeah, I think uh, I think it is close, um, but I'm trusting Hayward kind of puts me over that hump. And, I mean, Bryce Harper's the best player in baseball, so uh, I got to go with my outfield here slightly over Andrews um, so yeah, I don't think there's too much more to add other than you know what was said yeah obviously then I had you third Kyle um, with 
I had Saunders, Kutch, Gardner, and Harper. If you put um, Hayward in there for Saunders, I would assume that would that would get you up to second. So um, I guess I do have to agree with you guys that now that you've added Hayward, um, you, that does probably make you the second best outfield unit. Um, but until then, for me, it's Andy. I had myself a close fourth, which I guess I just want to say because my outfield... <clears throat> A little different from, I think, other teams' outfields in the sense that I don't get a ton of power from my four outfielders, but they all have, I think, great fantasy value, and they all do a lot of different things well. I get a ton of runs, stolen bases, and enough pop from my outfield to help out my team. So, you know, Granderson, Betts, Gerardo Parra, and Will Myers is my outfield. Um, That was fourth, but a distant fourth from the top three teams in the league. Yeah, I, I, there's some nice outfield units out there, but I, I feel like those three teams are kind of separated themselves, and it shows in the standings that maybe that's you have a strong outfield unit, and that's kind of the way to go. I mean, that's where the, the separation seems to be for those clubs. I mean, obviously there's other areas, but they're definitely a little better than everyone else there. I think, uh, I think after today, I have to put Frank up there at fourth, um, adding Cruz to Cespedes and the way Bradley's playing. Rasmus has seven homers already, and Reddick's being his steady, you know, self. So I think I might have to put him up there at fourth. But you know, I do like what you're doing with the outfield as well. Uh, thank you. And yeah, I I would probably agree that now that Frank's added Cruz, his outfield is probably better than me. So I guess I didn't look at the trades when I was doing this. I looked at the rosters that are on the site now, and that's kind of where I made my decision, but with the two trades made today, that does definitely swing some things in favor of you and Frank for the two and the four spots. You guys got anything else? Um, Here we are in week six of the Blue Mountain Fantasy Baseball Champions League. Um, Anything else you guys want to talk about? I know, Shane, I think you're a little upset about JT Realmuto getting robbed a home run this week. (laughs) No, just uh, been a status quo season for the Jonesboro brothers so far. Um, I seem to play really well against the teams that are at the bottom of the barrel and not really well against the teams that are at the top. So I, I get my butt kicked when I play the good teams and I, I kick some butt when I play the bad teams. <laughs> That's kind of the season we have. Um, nothing really different than how things are usually going. In. But we're going to stay in the race. Um, actually, you got asked today if I was going to be a seller. There's really? No, there's no way that I'm going to be a seller right now. Um, Who asked you that? Uh, Cody asked me that today. Nice. If I was buying or selling. Um, kind of threw me for a loop there. I was a little shocked. But, yeah, the Jones Bros are not in the selling market yet. We're in the buying market right now. Were you in the Beano sweepstakes at all? Did you make any competitive offers? I, I, I did not make an offer. I, I did not uh, feel that it was going to move that quickly, to be <laughs> honest. Um, I wish I would have. Shame on me for, for not getting out there and... But then again, I really I was looking at some other teams as far as making a move for myself. Um, I'm not really sure that the guys that, that went today. Nelson Cruz obviously would have been a guy I would have liked to take a chance on. I guess that's the one that hurt. But other than that, I mean, I don't know. There are some other teams that I'm, that I'm looking at as far as maybe being potential trade partners for, for the Jones Bros. You're waiting until we all drain our assets and then you can get David Price for cheap. Um, there's a good chance that David Price ends up on my, on my team, but, but yeah, I, I'm waiting. I'm, that's one of the deals that I'm, I'm actually waiting for that one to happen. I think we all are. 
Um, that's going to be some exciting <clears throat> bidding. Maybe I'll uh, Kershaw from a few years ago. Maybe not that high, but I have a feeling it could get pretty pretty uh, intense between some owners. I think th- the three on this podcast right now are probably going to be in that running as, as, a, as well as a few other teams. So, yeah, that's going to be interesting. Um, yeah, obviously we need, to add, we need to add some pieces, especially with what Manifest Destiny did today. Um, so I'm going to have to be a little more active here coming in the next couple of weeks. That's for sure. Yeah, I'll just add a few things to some things Shane mentioned. Um, one, uh, you know, I hope that trend does continue that you play poorly against good teams, assuming that you consider me a good team. I'd love to blow you out and um, Thanks, give buddy. myself a little cushion against uh, a good team like Adam. And hopefully Kaz can do his business this week and, and put him away. Um, another thing I just want to mention uh no chance that the sweepstakes for Price gets anywhere near the Kershaw <laughs> sweepstakes, considering that was one of the largest hauls ever, and um, Price has like a 70 ERA right now, so that's going to have to come down to like 1.4, which I think Kershaw's was at that point. If you're, um, if you're concerned about David Price's ERA on May 11th, I have some valid concerns about you as a fantasy baseball owner, so... <laughs> And the last thing I'll say is we have an exciting matchup this week that we haven't talked about at all. Um, The Steeltown Sluggers against the Malloy Boys. Uh, (laughs) We have a a really tight 7-5-2 race going right now um, to see who's going to get that first pick in the minor league draft. So just want to point that out. Right now I think Burkhardt has the lead in the matchup, but he also has the lead for the number one pick. So uh, <laughs> he's he's actually hurting his chances by beating Tom this week. Yeah, we got some some 76ers Lakers stuff going on here <laughs> in uh, Steel Town and Malloy Boy. May it be interesting to see who can start less pitchers th- as the end of the week comes. Maybe solidify <laughs> their their top ranking. Um, yeah, pretty funny pretty funny stuff there, Kyle. The, the big matchup for me, and not to go back to Frank's team, but. Cody's been a world beater so far for the Charleston Chodes. And uh, for him to go up against Frank this week right now, he's getting his pants beat off a little bit. Um, but this is a big test for Cody, I think, right here in week six as he's kind of trying to be one of the big boys in the league. So, Yeah, we've been talking about the Chodes a lot. I mean, they've obviously made a nice push. They're they're in a good spot now. This is one of their I – know, I don't know their schedule offhand. I, I don't know who all they've played, but – Maybe their first test of uh, going up against one of the perennial powers in the league, one of the better teams, and see what they see what they got after, especially after they made some moves to, to improve already. Um, little test to see where they're at and see kind of what they need to do moving forward. Yeah, I mean, the one thing today I was most surprised at when I was taking a look at different teams was, was Cody's record. Um, a lot closer to where my record is than I thought. He's 43-23-4, and I did not realize that he was doing that well. Um, I knew he was buying because he felt like he could be in contention, but, man, he's uh, he's looking good, and uh, he's definitely proven he's ready to buy if he needs to. Just, it wouldn't be a podcast if I didn't mention that 
if I had those five wins back, I would have <laughs> close to that same record. So um, wouldn't be a podcast <laughs> if I didn't at least bring it up. Uh, I would be 41, 25, and 4, which I am still considering my real record despite <laughs> what happened. So um, I would just be two games behind Cody if it weren't for uh, Fick Gate 2016. But that was, that was fun on the last podcast. Didn't get a lot of feedback from everybody, so wondering if maybe everybody didn't see it as funny as uh, as we did, but uh, yeah. So also wouldn't be a podcast if I didn't mention that. Yes, I have been the most unlucky team in the league. Oh my gosh! Uh, fourth in the breakdown and ninth in record. Just uh, just another year in Jonesboro town. So hopefully that turns around. All right, that wraps up the podcast. Um, I'm gonna <laughs> call it a, call it a night on that one. Um, <laughs> two of us just whine way too much apparently um yeah find us on twitter at red triangle 23 subscribe to the podcast on itunes or soundcloud leave us a five-star rating and review especially our friends in the league that's the least you guys could do for us is leave us a rating on itunes if that's the uh the platform that you listen to us on so uh thanks for listening and we'll be happy to check in next week in uh, week seven and we'll see who got the better end of the jones brothers and stallions matchup